0: The following program is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. This is Take 4 Wrestling with your hosts, Brian Kilby and J.T. Hog. This is Take 4 Wrestling, episode 25. I am Brian Kilby, and this is our... Mount Rushmore episode of Take More Wrestling with me. I have the recently coronated king of PWA, J.T. Hogg. King J.T. Hogg. How's it going?
1: Not too bad. I've already made some proclamations as king. One of them is a biscuit on every plate and a smile on every child's face. That's my little bumper sticker logo. That's awesome. I'm going to make PWA great again.
0: I'm excited. This is awesome. (laughs) Uh, so this episode is a little different. We are not talking about a specific wrestling card and we do not have a gimmick of the week this week. What we do have are a handful of Mount Rushmore topics. We can't just limit it to one. So, uh, what we're going to talk about this week is it's our Mount Rushmore. We each have one of heavyweight champions, personal favorites, tag teams, managers, gimmicks, and what I like to call... (laughs) If Mount Rushmore is the greatest, Mount Rush less, which are wrestlers that we just don't like or just don't get. Uh so this is this is my preface for this. I want to say that uh my Mount Rushmore is based on wrestling that I watched within my lifetime. On my list of heavyweight champions, by all accounts, Luthez should probably be on there. Maybe Bruno San Martino. Uh, but they're not there because that's not my generation. What I have are wrestlers that I either watched as a kid or have gone back and watched uh, and caught up on uh, and, and especially love. But I don't have any one on, on here that I really can't talk to as to why I think they're the best or should be on the list. Uh, any similar proclamation, King Hog for you?
1: I, King Hog says... He agrees
0: with you. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go first on uh, – we'll do, we'll do your heavyweight champion, then mine, and a personal favorite, and so on and so forth. But I guess heavyweight champion is the big one. So uh, King Hog, who are on your Mount Rushmore of heavyweight champions and a little bit about each one as to why they're on?
1: Well, the uh, three on the list were extremely easy. Um, three were no brainers. And then, uh, the fourth one, I think my, it will probably breathe a little bit of controversy. Um, cause I think the fourth one was a lot harder. There could have been, there was a number of four, uh, a number of different ones that could have been that fourth one. Um, I, I did watch a little bit of Bruno San Martino. I've went back and watched a lot of his stuff. I think he's a name that should be considered close, you know? um, I would say, uh, like, Dusty Rhodes is almost on that list. Um, but uh, my actual list is, um, of course, The Rock, which uh, I think The Rock's probably one of the most uh, popular wrestlers that there's ever been, and also one of the most popular mainstream ones, too. Okay. Um, he I mean, He's uh, transcended from just being a wrestler to being a a uh, superstar all over the place. Yeah. So I think he's definitely got a firm place in that, in that, uh in that list on my uh, Mount Rushmore. Now, the second guy um, is also, I don't think he's at quite as popular mainstream wise, but um, Steve Austin, I think he's more of like the wrestling wrestler um, as the rocks more overall broad mainstream appeal. I think Austin's, he uh, lacks a little bit of that mainstream appeal. Of course, um, he's done some movies and stuff, but they're not uh, not as profitable as The Rock. But he's still very widely known. Um, I can't I can't even remember how many uh, Austin three sixteen shirts I used to see uh, like going through the mall. And that's when you really I remember before you never saw wrestling shirts and like if you were walking through the mall. But during that era, you always saw Austin shirts. So, uh, he definitely is, uh, another one. That's just a given. Um, I think he's, I think he was the, one of the most, uh, profitable merchandise wise wrestler of all time. If I remember right. Yeah. Uh, of course they were charging $30 a shirt and people were buying it back then, but, uh, he, he still definitely deserves to be on the list. And then, um, the third one of course is, uh, Hulk Hogan and, uh, Hulk Hogan's, um, I mean, what what can you say about Hulk Hogan? I think he's a lot a reason why a lot of uh, a lot of us are watching wrestling. Um, he was also very it brought a lot of mainstream appeal to wrestling. And I think that's a very important aspect, bringing in that mainstream appeal because um, wrestling fans, uh, if they're if they're not, uh, it's kind of weird because I think wrestling um, at one point wasn't cool to be a fan of. Um, until guys like Hogan, Rock, and Austin, I think they made it cool. Because Hogan was uh, appearing all over television and uh, being in like Rocky Three and everything. That's what really brought him a bunch of appeal. And uh, I think that open, opened everybody else's eyes up to all the other wrestlers on the show. In fact, uh, when I was talking to uh, Hacksaw, he told me that everybody liked to work the uh, Hogan shows like on the house show circuit, like the a and B shows. Of course, everybody wanted to be on the show. Hogan was on because they always made more money with Hogan. So, um, that's why he's on the list. And now for the fourth one, which is going to be very controversial it um, I'm putting on there the 16 time world champion, John Cena. He just narrowly beat out, uh, Ric Flair on there because, uh, John's uh John Cena. I think he's he's one of the few modern guys that really broke that broke through to be as popular as he is. Even though he gets booed a lot by the crowd, uh he still gets a reaction.
0: I really need video right now. I just want you to know that.
1: <laughs> I knew you were gonna like that. Did you get that picture I sent you? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't I guess I guess I didn't. Um Are you you making obscene gestures towards me?
0: No. I I have my eyes covered, and I am uh, tapping my foot impatiently because I cannot wait to respond to
1: this. (laughs) But I definitely think uh, – John Cena has also brought a lot of uh, class to wrestling, I think, with um, all the charity work he does. Um, I'm not the biggest John Cena fan. And, um, really, uh, my favorite list differs from this list completely, but, um, I try to look at it as like mainstream appeal and, um, a bunch of different factors for that. Like, uh, cause all, I think all four of these guys, they're not, uh, the best workers, I guess maybe if we had like a best worker Mount Rushmore list, um, maybe these guys probably wouldn't be on it, but I think as a total package, they were. These are the four, um, in my mind, uh, greatest wrestlers, and I'm uh, probably going to get a lot of heat for this, and I'll probably get beat up if if some people see me. Well, at least they could try to beat
0: they me up. They could try once. to beat you up, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'll let, I'll let you respond to that.
0: Okay, my Mount Rushmore of heavyweight champions, first and foremost, of course, is Ric Flair. He is the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. Bar none, not even close. Nobody, Nobody even comes close. Uh he not only did he carry the title more times than anybody else, even more so than John Cena, because sixteen times is only the official count. It's in the twenties if you count all the times that it wasn't actually captured or noted in history. Uh he made every single wrestler that he wrestled look like a million bucks. He elevated every single person that he stepped in the ring with. Uh where John Cena I I I would if this was where a top eight I would probably or top seven, I would probably have John Cena on the list. I mean I'm not gonna Not going to beat you up over that pick because I think John Cena does deserve to be on uh, does does deserve the recognition, but Ric Flair is is the heavyweight champion that made that actually made other people look better. John Cena does it too, but nowhere near to the level that Ric Flair did. Ric Flair could wrestle a mop and make a mop look like a million (laughs) bucks. Well, Uh,
1: to be fair, Ric Flair was. um, I mean, it was it was down between him and Cena, and uh, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying.
0: Uh, Number two is Steve Austin. Uh, Steve Austin is the most popular professional wrestler of all time. Uh, Even more so than The Rock. The Rock achieved more popular success outside of wrestling, but Steve Austin is the most popular wrestler wrestler ever was. He's the most profitable, or he's the most uh, highest box office draw of all time as far as a wrestler uh, goes, at least in a compressed period of time. Um, Steve Austin... uh, elevated the title uh it made the title mean more uh than previous champions um had made it uh thinking of people like diesel and sid and he really helped resurrect that title from just a a, a bad funk that it was in uh you think of all the people that held the belt after steve austin uh and the people that held it before the you know five to the ten years and Steve Austin really helped put a shine on that belt and help make it mean more. Uh number 3 Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan deserves to be on the list. He is probably the second highest box office draw as, as far as of all-time as wrestlers go. Uh while not necessarily uh a great worker or necessarily somebody who uh made other wrestlers look better, he certainly did. He was he did do so much for the business especially in a in a period of time at least in the northeast where they really needed uh, a champion, and uh, I'm not going to go in much more than that because he might appear on another list later for me. Uh Number four, <laughs> fourth guy on my list is Harley Race. Harley Race was the world heavyweight champion. Uh, nobody really in my mind carried themselves like they were the heavyweight champion like Harley Race did, and of all these guys, if <clears throat> you're in a dark room and somebody wanted to ch- uh, challenge the, the champ, uh, Harley Race could and would stand up to uh, any challenge, I, I had to think hard on the fourth one because I, I I thought about putting Cena on there. I thought about putting The Rock on there, but <clears throat> Harley really, in a way, was a transition from the really old school style of wrestling, the type of wrestlers, into what I would consider the more modern mainstream of of the eighties. And honestly, Harley Race is one of the most badass people that I've ever lived. So I had to put Harley in my top four uh, heavyweight champions of all time. I love Cena. I love The Rock, um, but personally, I just – I couldn't put them on my Mount Rushmore. If, if if Mount Rushmore had a few more people, they would both be on there, and uh, maybe also uh, – maybe, maybe in my lifetime, maybe Bret Hart. But I couldn't, so if I had to have four, so that's my four.
1: Well, it's definitely um, – I'm not going to argue with you there. I mean I, I respect that list. I don't think we're too far off from each other.
0: No, we're not. I honestly thought you were just going to have my exact same list until you mentioned The Rock. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm glad, I'm glad it's different. <laughs> uh, and I have to say my personal favorites list is not far off from my heavyweight champions list, which is why in prepping for the show, I thought we might have just one instead of both. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's go ahead and jump to your uh, personal favorite, your personal Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers.
1: My personal Mount Rushmore? Um mine my personal Mount Rushmore is completely different. Um, even though I like uh I mean these are my favorite wrestlers, I also realize uh that they're not the best and um they're just happen to be my own personal favorite. I try tried not to be biased on that. Um these are really uh none of mine are really in particular order either. Um but um on my personal Mount Rushmore, uh Hacksaw Jim Duggan makes an appearance. That's awesome. He's a guy that um, I've got to work with on uh, more than a few occasions, and um, I've patterned a lot of myself after him. Um, when I do the Bau, I got that from him doing the hoe, and um, he uh, he was just one of my own personal favorites. He was always my world champion um, with my, our little Hasbro figures. always had the belt on him. Unfortunately, he never had a world title run, um, but he was uh, really consistently one of the most over guys in the history of wrestling, I think. Um, I remember watching um, the World Tour t- – do you remember the old like uh, WWF World Tour VHS tapes? I do not. Uh, I used to get those all the time, and he would wrestle uh, – be wrestling somebody in France, and he would have the whole entire French arena chanting USA and that's got to be hard to do because the french don't seem to like americans that much so <laughs> but yeah he would when he went to other countries they would chant usa and um he's just he's like the embodiment of the working class man um just a just a big tough guy he's huge i don't know if you ever met him in person but he's a huge man his hand makes up uh two of my hands make up one of his
0: holy crap and you're you're not a small guy
1: no i'm not i'm not small at all and he's he's just a giant of a man and uh really super nice guy fun to be around he uh turns his character on as soon as as soon as he finds out there's a fan around um in fact the first time i met him i was with my uncle and uh we were getting out of the car and he was getting out of the car next to us before a show and my uncle went over to him and I was super nervous because I had only been wrestling for eight months, nine months. And I walk, uh, I walk over with my uncle and I'm not saying anything. And, uh, he, he's like, Hey Jim, how you doing? He's like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. He's like, this is my, uh, this is my nephew, JT. He's a big fan of yours. And Hexel's like, Oh, that's nice. He's like meeting, uh, it's kind of like him meeting you is like us meeting Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, I saw, then he he just turned it right on he started shaking he's like oh good to meet you good to meet you tough guy how you doing buddy you know and uh and i was just like oh nice to meet you sir so uh, that was a that was a lot of fun and uh he was a pleasure to team up with um i actually got to wrestle him too and um i wrestled him as the cuban assassin in west virginia and uh because the Cuban assassin uh, couldn't make it that night. So they just uh, put me in a full body suit and a mask.
0: And is, uh, is the Cuban assassin built like you. No, no. It was,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was completely different. I was a lot skinnier back then too, but still the Cuban assassin was only about uh, five, eight. And I was still six, one at the time. <laughs> so, uh, but um, it was funny because I was wearing uh, different – I was wearing long tights. I wasn't wearing my overhauls, of course, being a Cuban assassin. And I came out saying uh, – I was like, shut your stinking mouse, Americans. Cuba number one. And um, during the match, uh, Hacksaw had me up in the corner, and he was doing the 10 punch. Well, my, uh, my arms were trapped in between his legs, and my tights started going down. Oh, no. And as he's, every time he's hitting me, my tights go down a little bit more, a little bit more. Well, then Hacksaw whips me in the corner and my tights are down around my ankles. Of course, I'm wearing, I'm wearing like a little, like, uh, bicycle tights underneath. (laughs) So he goes to whip me and I shuffle across the ring because my, my tights are completely down around my ankles. And, uh, Hacksaw turns around and he stops and he stares for a second and then he starts laughing. And uh, he hits me with the three point stance clothesline. It's like one, two, three. He rolled right out of the ring, and he didn't—he uh, didn't like mess with the crowd too much after the match. And always just went straight to the back. And I was completely, utterly embarrassed by this point. Of course, uh, luckily I had a mask on, but uh, I was like—I was worried that Hacksaw was mad at me. And uh, when I got to the back, he was just started laughing. He was roaring, laughing, saying, That was the funniest thing I ever seen. He's like, I've been wrestling for 20 some years, and that's the funniest thing. I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> so uh, that's my uh, hacksaw. I have a few hacksaw stories, but uh, having au- my pants fall down in front of them was pretty interesting. That
0: is awesome.
1: And <laughs>
0: that is the best story. Uh, who, um, who's your number two?
1: <laughs> my number two. Can it match that? Uh well, uh I've also had interactions with this man too.
0: No, Billy James. Uh,
1: Dusty Rhodes.
0: Dusty Rhodes, oh man.
1: Um of course Dusty Rhodes, everybody knows who he is. And uh I think I've told my Dusty Rhodes story on the show before. But uh he was uh just one of the also just kinda of like Hacksaw was just one of the most uh relatable guys in the wrestling business. Uh never Never was built like a Adonis. Always was, uh, fairly out of shape. Just looked like a regular common man, but he just had something about him. Even Vince McMahon, who didn't typically like overweight guys like Dusty Rhodes. So I think, wasn't it on the, uh, Tom Pritchard show where they talked about, uh, Dusty was real nervous about coming to WWF because he knew Vince liked body, so he was trying to lose weight. And Vince McMahon's like, I want Dusty Rhodes. I don't want something else.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, just absolute nicest guy in the world. Um, he knew I was nervous, so he uh, took care of me. And because, uh, like, when I found out I was going to be wrestling Dusty Rhodes, my, I just was like, whoa. Because I was expecting to go in there wrestling Abyss, and I was already kind of like, well, Abyss is going to beat the crap out of me. He's a big dude. But then when I got there and it was Dusty Rhodes, it was just, uh, I was like, man, I'm going to be in the ring with one of the greatest world champions of all time even though he wasn't on my Mount Rushmore of uh, world champions, but he was pretty close just for the sheer fact of his popularity. And uh, I mean, he had some great matches like his matches with flair were some of the most intense matches. Uh, he was uh, just a, just a mega star in my mind anyway. So now we'll go on to my third pick, which is uh, Henry Godwin. Um, he was, uh, it's kind of funny that he's, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, he like during the 93, 94 years, he was, uh, I just absolutely loved every time he came out and, um, now, but that really had nothing to do with me being an actual hillbilly and wrestling myself. That was my uncle that he was doing the hillbilly gimmick. And, um, I really, I, I think I liked, uh, uh, when he was a heel more Henry Godwin,
0: I I could see that
1: because he was, uh, he's a big dude too. Um, watching that, uh, Royal rumble, he was every bit as big as Vader and he could move. Um, he was a very talented guy. Unfortunately, I don't think, uh, he ever got his dues, um, because he had all the tools to be just a big intense monster. And, um, he, he, uh, would uh, I think Vince Russo was uh, against uh, guys in overalls because he said people didn't wear overhauls like that? And uh, Henry Godwin said on a shoot interview, he's like, "Look, come down to my hometown, you'll see twenty guys walking around in overalls that'll whoop
0: you."
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, he's just, he's a big scary dude. I uh, I've been trying to get a hold of him. I've been trying to contact him to because uh, I want to tag with him because that's on my uh bucket list but uh unfortunately I haven't been able to uh get any contact information on him but if uh anybody out there knows him have him get a hold of me and uh I would like to uh tag up with him but um so he's on there I know he's probably not going to be on any other lists
0: Yeah he's, probably he, he's not on like, list either <laughs> He's not he's not on like mine
1: So uh but he's one of my personal favorites and then uh the fourth one, uh there's a lot of contenders for this. Um like Hillbilly Jim was a contender. Um uh Repo Man. I'm a big I'm a big Repo Man fan, but uh I'd have to say that um Ultimate Warrior is the fourth one on the list. Really? Because uh and this is going more towards back to when I was a kid and uh how much how I thought the Ultimate Warrior was just the bee's knees at the time. Um just his entrance, everything about it was just perfect for my, for my little 10 year old mind. Um, of course, as I got older, I realized that he wasn't very good of a wrestler, actually. He was just more, uh, pomp and circumstance, but, uh, that,
0: that's, 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 that's a way of describing him. <laughs>
1: but as a kid, not knowing everything and just seeing him. I mean, when he, uh, when I got to see him, Russell Andre the Giant, live, just as soon as his music hit, the the electric that went through the crowd was just, uh, something that I won't ever forget. And, uh, I always like uh, I loved his, uh, action figures, like the the little Hasbro action figures. I even had the LJN Ultimate Warrior, the rubber one. That was, uh, pretty rare because I ordered it out of the back of a magazine. Oh, neat. But, um, yeah, he was just—he was—and uh, I still, whenever, uh, like when he came back that last time, I still had that nostalgic feeling when he came out.
0: That'll play into that'll play into my list as well. <laughs> I just want—I'm just warning you right now.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, definitely the nostalgia on your favorites list is uh, very important.
0: Um, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean that's my list: Hacksaw, Dusty, Henry Godwin, and Ultimate Warrior.
0: Okay. Um, my top four, my Mount Rushmore fa- personal favorites. Uh, no surprise, number one is Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, this is going to look a lot like um, a lot like my other list. Uh, just to be completely honest, <laughs> I love Ric Flair. I would take a bullet for him. Uh, n- now in his later years, I'm less of a fan because um, I don't know that he is as awesome behind the scenes. At least it it is. You know, retire his retired years as he was back in the day, but Rick Flair is still the best. Um, not only, you know, did he put on fantastic matches, um, some of the greatest matches of all time. Again, he could make, he could elevate anybody. Uh, he, even in his 50s, he was still the most popular wrestler that WCW had up until the end. Um, he, gosh, years after he should have retired, he he still looked like a million bucks. I mean, he he left the WWF because Vince thought he was kind of too old, but he went to back to WCW and still put on some great matches. Uh, Rick Flair is simply the greatest wrestler who's ever lived. Uh, number two, I, it's one of these that I, I it's kind of hard. I I can't not put him on. Because I was such a big fan of his back in the 90s, and it's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I really, I not, only, I not only for nostalgia purposes, because he did help reinvigorate the wrestling uh, industry. And honestly, when he left, it kind of hit a, a, a new low, or not long after, because he was gone. Yeah. But he, he was a great talent, so good on the mic. And he really shows that the best wrestlers are the ones who are just themselves. Uh, I mean, Ric Flair is <laughs> the same way, and uh, Steve Austin is awesome. Uh, next guy on the list uh, is very much so uh, in a way that the the self the the person who's amped up. And I had to actually, I was actually hanging out with friends, and I couldn't come up with the last two. And I said, "Guys, who's who are my top favorite four? Who are my, who are my four favorite <laughs> wrestlers of all time?" And I said, "I've got Ric Flair, and I've got Steve Austin." And then, I mean, it's obvious, but you know my buddy mike was like dusty Rhodes. i'm like of course (laughs) Uh, i mean for the reasons you mentioned of course i I didn't get to wrestle him but dusty Rhodes was god he was he was so brilliant and uh he could captivate people and he just he, he he just did not look like what you would picture a professional wrestler to be but like uh god he is so good he was so great um he he put on a lot of great matches, and I, I'm really just talking about his stuff in NWA. Uh, I didn't, or in uh, Jim Crockett. I didn't watch his stuff. I didn't see him in Florida. I didn't see him anywhere else, other than his brief stint in uh, WWF. But Dusty Rhodes means a lot. And the fourth guy on my list, I didn't want to put him on there. I really didn't want to. But when I was a kid, I still believed, and I still do, that he is the most powerful. Our weapon in the United States arsenal, and if things got really rough between us and the Soviet Union, we would have just sent Hulk Hogan over, and he would have just solved everything. <laughs> like I, even like even in that nostalgia run that they did with him after the WWE bought uh, WCW and they put the belt on him, I still believe that he could do anything. Yeah. And, and I know behind the scenes, he's he's a politician. He did what he could to to get ahead, and he he. Put a, kept a lot of other guys down, and I really did not want to include him on the list. I so did not want to put him on the list, but all-time favorites, I cannot say that Hulk Hogan is, is not on my list. He's dropped down. He was up, <laughs> he was up until like 2000 or 2001, number one, but um, Hulk Hogan is on my list. Can't not.
1: Yeah, uh, th- that's a pretty good list. I mean, Hogan probably would have been close on mine too. Yeah. Um... That's a guy that every time I walk past the the figure out if I see a Hulk Hogan figure, I'll stop and look at it and ponder if yep. I should buy it or not.
0: Me too. <laughs> Me too. Uh, even all the terrible things he's gone through, I still think that Hulk Hogan – like right now, if things got really bad, uh, just put Hulk Hogan in it like a, a B2 bomber and just drop him down wherever <laughs> – he's basically Captain America.
1: Rips his uh, shirt off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I still believe it. Okay, tag teams. Uh, JT, who's on your Mount Rushmore of tag teams?
1: I know we're going to differ on this. I'm, I
0: I'm certain we are.
1: Um, well, uh, the Road Warriors would have to be on that list, I would think, um, as being one of the most uh, popular BA tag teams of all time. By um, BA,
0: he means badass.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know if we were allowed to say that or yeah, not. You
0: can say that. that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But, uh, yeah, the uh, the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, just uh, a lot like the Warrior, uh, Ultimate Warrior, just one of those, as soon as you heard their music hit, like uh, I, especially during the Iron Man days, as soon as they started playing Iron Man, and then that awesome uh, WWF theme that they had with the, ooh, wow, what a rush. What a
0: rush, yeah.
1: And um, even their promos were great because uh, – He'd always be like, tell him Hawk and Hawk would be like, Well, well <laughs> I'm gonna rip his head off and twist it around. But uh yeah, just one of and they weren't they weren't like uh they they always had a great Road Warriors match. And um they necessarily couldn't work everybody, uh wouldn't have great matches with everybody. But I mean the crowd just absolutely just loved them and bought into them that these were guys that were just straight up unbeatable, and uh, most of the time they were straight up unbeatable. Very few times did they ever go down. Um, like watching the, uh, I mean, uh, them and the natural disasters was they had some really good matches because the natural disasters were a tag team that could legitimately beat the Road Warriors. And You're um, right, it, I mean, you were they are in danger there. Like, I mean, they weren't in danger when they were wrestling like the rockers or something, but, uh, the road warriors were just, they were just uh man from the shoulder pads, the face paint, they had the presentation down. And, um, I was very excited when they came to WWF, um, cause I just heard of them. But by that point, um, and I was really excited for them to face off against, uh, the next people on my list tag team, um, unfortunately never really got much play, but, uh, it was demolition. And I know, uh, I know you're not real big on demolition.
0: They almost made my list, dude. I don't hate demolition. I just don't, <laughs> I, just, I just don't, I don't put them in. I don't, I don't think they're as, as important as people think, but yeah. th- as a kid, I loved demolition.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah, they were, they were definitely a tag team as a, uh, as a child. I absolutely loved. And, uh, like, a, actually tag team wrestling's pretty much been dead for a long time now there has a, i don't i really can't think of too many teams that left an impact in the in the last what 20 years
0: the dudley I, boys
1: i don't like them
0: uh, well, i guess i probably could have put them on the list I agree to disagree if I, was
1: being if I was being impartial but i guess i wouldn't be an impartial there but but uh demolition um Uh, everybody always said that they're road warrior clones. Um, and they were, I think they were, yeah, but they were WWFs like, like, uh, I've seen Ax say a few times that, um, they in WWFs territory, they were the men, you know, like the, the people knew demolition over the road warriors. I don't know how true that is, uh, actually saying it out loud now, but, uh, Demolition also had great presentation and, um,
0: that is just, awesome, awesome theme song.
1: Yeah. One of the greatest theme songs of all time. Um, I still, I still listen to that song. Oh, it's great. I love it. Actually, I was, uh, driving down the road the other day and a car passed me playing it. Really? They were like booming it on their speakers. That stuff. is
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> I wanted to, wanted to give them a thumbs up, but they just drove by. So, uh, was that rick derringer the song that was it i think so but yeah that was just one of the the it was badass i guess
0: it was rick derringer i guess he would have been uh or jim johnston
1: i think i'm pretty sure it was rick derringer yeah um like i remember uh one of the very first uh wbf matches i ever saw um was uh from the vhs store up uh up across from the odd lots in my hometown. And uh we rented it and it was uh, WrestleMania Four.
0: Yeah, Rick Derringer, Jimmy Hart, JJ McGuire.
1: Great song. Um, but uh yeah, the one of the one, that was one of the first events I saw was WrestleMania Four. And uh that's when they had that little montage of the wrestlers like suiting up and uh with uh Smash was painting his face in a mirror. And I was like, Oh, that's gotta be one of my favorites. I don't know who it is, but I'm gonna love him, and uh, of course they had great. Uh, they were, I think they were definitely better workers than the Legion of Doom, and I think they could go with more different tag teams. I think they had, they could have matches with pretty much anybody. They could work the smaller guys.
0: I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that Barry Darso was the second smash.
1: Uh, yeah, the uh, the first one was uh, was it Larry Larry Latham?
0: Uh, Randy Colley. Randy, why why
1: do I think Larry Latham? Uh, Yeah, one of the Moondogs.
0: Yeah, Moondog Rex.
1: And uh, they were managed by uh, Johnny Valentine at first.
0: Wow, I didn't realize that.
1: (laughs) And I guess they were, uh, Axe was talking about how they were just trying to pull off being these uh, badass guys. And, like, Johnny Valentine's talking about them being from, like, Mars and stuff. He said it just wasn't working out. And then they brought up... uh, Crusher Khrushchev to be uh, smash and uh, history was made.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Unfortunately, uh, towards the, uh, we never got to see the demolition road warriors match at its full potential. No. Cause by that point, Axe was hurt and uh, they're bringing in crush. So, but I think they definitely deserve to be on my uh, tag team Mount Rushmore. Now the uh, set, uh, third tag team, uh, is the rock and roll express. Awesome. I think they're uh I mean they're still tagging to this day. Uh
0: they may be getting uh they may be entering the uh WWE Hall of Fame this year. Oh that's
1: great. They yeah. definitely deserve it. Um I they've never had much of a run in WWF and uh I think that's that's very unfortunate um, cuz I remember when they did have a those little short runs in WWF, they gave them the rockers theme music. And oh, I think God. a lot of people just thought they were clones of the rockers.
0: It's the other way around. Yeah.
1: They're definitely clones of the rock or the rockers are definitely clones of them. Uh, I think uh, I've, I've got to uh, meet Ricky Morton on several occasions. I've never actually met uh, Robert Gibson. He, which is weird.
0: I told the story where a couple years ago at the Mid Atlantic fan fest, I was sitting in the floor and I had my foot out and he, Bumped it intentionally and then winked at me, <laughs> Robert Gibson. It was just—it was kind of awkward, <laughs> but also kind of nice at the same time. oh my God, it's Robert Gibson. Uh, so I, I've seen them wrestle so many times. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Robert Gibson might be down around that area, isn't
0: he? Uh, Tennessee.
1: Okay, because I know uh, Ricky Morton. Uh, no, he wrestles. No, no. All the
0: time. no I mean uh, Ricky Morton's in Tennessee, I believe.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. He's got that school of Morton, yeah. which actually I would have went to that if that would have been around when I first started.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, cause Ricky Morton, uh, they still talk about how, uh, everybody sells like Ricky Mort, like yeah. selling like Ricky Morton. Yeah. And, um, he is like, I, I just watched a match that was on a show with him. He was wrestling Shane Douglas. Um, uh, he was in Zanesville and the way he was selling, uh, was just getting such a reaction out of the crowd and uh it was only like 40 people there but he was uh really getting the reaction out of those all 40 of those people were invested in that match and uh they were just they were a phenomenal tag team together they were uh the rockers were copies of them um i mean they had a bunch of uh copycat teams the rock and roll express created uh I'm not sure. I I don't remember. I think they were before the Fantastics, weren't they?
0: I think the Fantastics were before the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, did you see the uh, thing I just shared in Skype?
1: Is that the picture with? Uh, oh, it's not loading all the way.
0: It's a uh, hacksaw with demolition. And hacksaw's oh, face yeah. is painted up.
1: Yeah, the, uh, SummerSlam '89. Yeah,
0: he's painted up in the red, white, <laughs> and blue with demolition.
1: Yeah, they actually made a figure of that.
0: I, I kind of want that.
1: Yeah, it was It was awesome. Yeah, I remember uh, that was one of the very first shows I saw, too. Uh, it wasn't too far after that. like Because uh, that was around that time when all the VHSs were coming out. Um, so, yeah, that was Hacksaw. They, uh, I can't remember who they wrestled in that match. I think it was like the Bolsheviks and somebody else. Maybe it was like Dino Bravo and the Bolsheviks. But, uh, yeah, the Rock and Roll, uh, great tag team, I think probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time uh, above road warriors and demolition. And uh, now for the fourth team, um, I think the midnight express deserves to be on there because the uh, midnight express is uh, it's one of my favorite tag teams. Uh, one of my personal favorite tag teams. And um, I think just the epitome of uh heel tag teams. Uh, now there's several different versions of the midnight express. I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kinda going with uh, Bobby Eaton and uh, Stan Lane, but because um, that was the one I watched the most. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, they had uh, you include Jim Cornette, of course, in there. Just uh, one of my one, I think one of the greatest managers of all time, and the Midnight Express were just a good, solid tag team. They could, uh, I think, they were kind of like Ric Flair, where they could make anybody look like a million bucks.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Um, I mean, matches between the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express were amazing.
0: Uh, absolutely.
1: Um, you knew you were going to get your money's worth out if those two were on the card together. So uh, that's my uh, tag team, Mount Rushmore.
0: Okay. So uh, I love your list. Uh, mine is not a carbon copy, fortunately, because it easily could have been. But I had to put lists, I had to put uh, tag teams on here that I either felt really strongly about or had a lot of ex- experience with uh, watching and uh I, i'll just say this the midnight express are not on my list not because i don't think they deserve to be on i just haven't watched as many of their matches as i have the rock and roll express and i love the rock and roll express and they're the first uh tag team on my list just like you said ricky morton uh <laughs> he, he was a, it was phenomenal i mean literally people would cry at just the sight of him <laughs> uh as he was being beaten he is just so darn good and uh their matches were great they were innovative and like we mentioned the rockers were legitimately just a knockoff of the the rock and roll express a, a darn good one with sean michaels but um the rock and roll express are absolutely on there one you may be surprised that i have on here and i don't honestly know why i have it on here but i feel that because he doesn't show up anywhere on my list. I got to give Bret Hart, got to throw him a bone, so I put the Hart Foundation on. Uh, they were a big deal in the WWF tag team uh, era back in the the late 80s, and um, I feel that uh, the Hart Foundation probably were the premier tag team in the WWF, uh, even m- more so than the <clears throat> uh, Road War, uh, pardon me, Legion of Doom, or even Demolition. And, I, and Demolition was great. I love Demolition. Uh, I really did. I just don't necessarily think of them as the most important tag team of all time. Yeah. Uh, putting somebody a little more modern in there. Uh, I got to put the Dudley Boys. They've held the tag team titles, I think, more than any anybody else in history. Uh, they are. I think they are the la- the last great tag team, at least. Uh, When I say great, I mean in in scope and in just quality of matches. They were really good. I think they may have been tarnished a little bit by getting their start in ECW, but uh, they are far and above um, anything really else that ECW had to offer. I think they're probably the pinnacle of quality that ECW produced, at least for longevity. I mean, there are a lot of people there like... Uh, a lot of people came through ECW, but nobody was branded ECW as hard and lasted as long as the Dudley Boys, and uh, they're just a great tag team. Uh, third, I mean, pardon me, fourth, and yeah, I was. this one was hard for me because uh, we talked about our Mount Rushless wrestlers that we also don't quite get. These guys honestly almost fell on that list as well. So I almost put these guys on my list of tag teams and list of wrestlers that I don't get, and that's the Road Warriors. Um, and it's not necessarily because I don't get them; I just don't. I, I mean, they go in, and they would squash people, and they wouldn't sell. Uh, but yeah. it really were Like you, you have the Ultimate Warrior on on your list, and I can fortunately say that any nostalgia that I had for the Ultimate Warrior died long ago. Uh, and it was basically the same, the same deal. Uh, the Road Warriors that would go in, they would beat the snot out of people they wouldn't sell and that was it of course when they needed to when they needed to sell they could i guess uh hawk
1: was definitely the better seller of the two
0: yeah uh and i i honestly i would i would probably i would consider hawk probably the better of the two anyway just from a look perspective if nothing else um he also had you know he had it worse than animal or yeah than animal and um but yeah, they're, uh, I, I'm going to put them in my top four. Uh, honestly, honestly, uh, Rock and uh, pardon me, uh, Midnight Express probably deserves that slot. But as much as I love Jim Cornette, and I love Jim Cornette, um, I mostly know Jim Cornette as a manager for uh, entities other than the Midnight Express. So I had to put the Road Warriors on my list.
1: You're talking about Mantar, aren't you?
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of guys. It just didn't makes sense, like Vader and uh, Yokozuna and stuff like that. And like yeah. I, I remember. I mean, obviously it was with the Midnight Express, but I remember the the big bump he took at what was it, Starcade '86? Uh, yeah. just all those things. I remember, like I remember him for things other than specifically just the Midnight Express. Okay, who's on your list of managers? I guess you can probably guess who's on at least one person on mine. So who's, who's in your Mount Rushmore of managers?
1: This was a little harder. Um, uh, there was two on here that were no-brainers, and the other two were it was a little bit harder. And I'm not sure if I made the correct decisions writing down. But, um, of course, we'll start off with Bobby Heenan.
0: Uh, good, good place to start.
1: Legend, probably bar none, best manager of all time.
0: I would uh, I I would not argue that fact. I don't yeah. thi- I don't think you can argue that fact.
1: Yeah, that's just there's no argument. I I refuse to accept any other argument. <laughs> uh Bobby Heenan was great. Uh just the perfect manager. He knew when to get involved, he knew when not to get involved. Um you only noticed him when he wanted you to notice him. He was uh funny, but you still hated him. Um, I mean, he was a great, like, if we had a Mount Rushmore commentators, he'd be on there too. Uh, uh,
0: I I don't know. I don't think I can go that far. Uh, he may, may maybe, maybe with, oh, gorilla, I, with, girl, with, with Gorilla. Love, yeah. I love Bobby Heenan's commentating. Okay. So I want to, I, I want to chime in here. Um, so you said that, uh, he knew when to be seen, when not to be seen. When, when, when would you not want to see Bobby Heenan? Well, I mean, like, um, I I, I know, I know, but like as a kid, but as a kid, Bobby Heenan, he was a heel and I hated him and I loved him at the same time.
1: Well, that's, that's a rare thing. Like I, I hated him too, but I loved watching him. Like there was just something about, he was hilarious. Uh, his little comments, uh, he did great promos. I mean, this guy, Bobby Heenan was perfect. Um, I loved it when he would wrestle. Uh, when he would put on the uh, little mini Andre the Giant tights, and um, he'd get the crap kicked out of him by Red Rooster, or Matilda would chase him down and very not attack him very aggressively. But uh, yeah, every I'd love it when he fill in for Survivor Series, like uh, when Tully Blanchard couldn't make it. Um, I mean, everything about like Bobby Heenan was just. Perfect, bar none, greatest manager of all time. Uh, I think he was so good that he kind of broke the mold. And um, so he's number one on my list. Uh, number two on my list uh, is Jim Cornette. Um, not quite Bobby Levels, and I think he would even agree with that.
0: Uh, he would uh, agree with that.
1: Because I think Bobby Heenan is Jim Cornette's favorite manager. He's
0: everybody's favorite manager, dude. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's really nothing else you could say. Uh just I mean Jim Cornette was uh very hateable as a manager. Um he's insane, I'm pretty sure. Uh I think he's more f- famous now for his his rants because I love listening to Jim Cornette rant now.
0: It's my favorite thing to do.
1: <laughs> I can't listen to him when he rants on uh stuff other than wrestling. Uh I have to turn it off. Um, cause I just want to know his opinions on wrestling. Uh, cause he's got some pretty strong elsewhere opinions that I don't agree with, but, and he's so passionate about it. I'm like, man, I think he's pretty sure he's personally insulting me.
0: Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. It happens to me. It's like, yeah, I like, Oh, he's insulting me there, but I don't care.
1: Jim Cornette. Like, uh, you don't want to get in a verbal fight with him. No, he would rip you up and rip you down. Uh, and he was, he was just a great manager. And, uh, he was one like a uh, Bobby Heenan never went face as a manager. Um, Jim Cornette did a little bit of a face run and he was pretty over as a face.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but of course his talents were his heel. I think he was one of those guys that you got to the point where you love seeing him, even though you hated him. Not quite Bobby Le- Bobby Heenan levels, but pretty close. Um, so those are, those were the two easy givens. Uh, I'm just, I was kind of racking my brains now I'm looking at it. I don't think that I did a very good job on coming up with the other two members okay but um i uh Jimmy Hart was my third one.
0: He almost made my list. he didn't, but he was so close
1: um he, uh the, he's like one of those nostalgic managers running around with the megaphone um I hated that megaphone mm-hmm. <laughs> but um i did, i he was he was just loud and obnoxious. Um, wasn't necessarily like a great promo cutter. I uh, I mean, he, he would cut some good ones, but I think the key to him was more just being loud and obnoxious with that real high-pitched, high, pit, high pitch, shrill voice. Um, so it made him very hateable, and that's what you want in a heel manager. Um, I hate... I didn't like him as a face manager at all. I think he was absolutely worthless as a face manager. Because uh, actually face managers are pretty much worthless for the most part. I think they work for a little bit in little small doses. Like if, uh, you want to like tease a face turn mm-hmm. for a manager, but then have them go back to heal. Not too long after that. Um, Jimmy Hart managed, uh, didn't really ma- manage a lot of key players like Bobby Heenan did. Uh, cause Bobby Heenan managed all the big bad guys. Mm-hmm. He had like a, 20 year feud with Hulk Hogan. Uh, Jimmy Hart was more of the second tier guy, um, managing, uh, like the Hart Foundation. Um, I'm drawing a blank now. Dino Bravo, Mm uh, great Valentine, honky dog man. So he was more of that mid card manager, but nonetheless, a very memorable manager. Um, I'll probably agree with your list on this more too, but, uh, Yeah, I put him on there. And then for the fourth one, I went with, uh, I guess maybe because he's fresher in my mind, uh, Paul Heyman. Okay, cool. Um, I wasn't sure about putting him on the list, but I love his stuff with Brock Lesnar. Um, Absolutely love uh, more of his recent stuff. I mean, he was uh, pretty good back in his WCW time. Um I didn't really watch much of his ECW and he didn't really manage much in WWF before Brock Lesnar. But uh he almost had like a career resurgence. Well he did have a career resurgence. And uh he brought back the male manager. Um I think he's the only one right now, isn't he? Is there any other ones?
0: Uh right now, not that I can think of, not in the WWE. There are there's at least there's a couple in ROH.
1: He's a uh, very rare, uh, he's a rare eco- eco- economy, what, what am I trying to say, economy. Econic? Uh rare commodity.
0: Rare commodity.
1: That's what I'm going for, <laughs> but uh, in WWF right now. And um, just, uh, he was really good with CM Punk, I thought. Um, his uh, He had some really great promos recently. Uh, he's a guy that can cut a 15-minute promo, and It's not as agonizing as Triple H.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I could listen to Paul Heyman. Uh, Just his uh, whole uh, Brock Lesnar thing about beating The Undertaker, where he just kept repeating it over and over again. Uh, It got some massive heat. So uh, that's my uh, managers. A little sketchy on the last two, but the first two are set in stone for me.
0: Uh, Our lists are almost identical, except for one. And oh. I'll just run through it really quickly since you really hit everything there. Obviously, number one is Bobby Heenan. He's the greatest manager of all time. He also had the benefit of being a uh, professional wrestler prior to being a manager. So he could bump. And that was that was really important because you have a lot of managers who can't bump or bump well.
1: Oh, Heenan bumped like a madman. He,
0: he was a great bumper. Jim Cornette was not a wrestler. He learned to bump. And he always took like an exaggerated bump. So that was really good. Um, but, uh, Hornet uh Heenan was, um, was one of the boys before he was, uh, was before he was a manager. So that was great to his benefit. Obviously Jim Cornette's on my list. Jim Cornette's the, one of the, one of the two greatest talkers, basically manager wise in in wrestling history. He just has uh, he and Paul Heyman both just have a genuine talent for gab that I am incredibly jealous of. They are both, uh. In different ways, able to um, – like, Jim Cornette is so fast when it comes to one-liners and stuff. It's amazing. And Paul Heyman can really put together a, a, a narrative that will take you on a journey. Um, yeah, I so, wish
1: I could think as fast as those two can.
0: Yeah. Uh, they're both uh, phenomenal. So Jim Cornette is my number two, and I and of all professional wrestlers and anybody who has been involved in wrestling, uh, I am probably – if i'm a mark for anybody right now it's jim cornette i absolutely love jim cornette stuff uh i am just a huge jim cornette fan um third i put jj dillon uh i think J- yeah, i think Dylan, uh i think jj J. dillon was the perfect manager for the four horsemen uh he could talk um he also could take a, he could take a bump if he needed to he knew how to work a crowd uh he just he was smart obviously he, he 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 really understood the business not only from um the perspective of being uh an on on screen talent he also knew how to how things worked behind the scenes and he could use that to his advantage and he was legitimately one of the one of the horsemen, so it's not like he it's not like he was there and he would just show up uh for tapings, like unfortunately like that's basically what Bobby Heenan did. He was just there for tapings. But like uh J. J. Dillon and Cornette both were really members, really part of the the machine that they belonged to. And uh there was a cohesion with uh Dylan and the horseman that you don't really see oftentimes. It it wasn't just that he was, you know, he I mean he, he they, the horseman didn't need somebody to speak for him. But when when JJ J. Dillon needed to speak he could speak and uh he was just just a great a great manager and of course number 4 is Paul Heyman um i wanted to put mostly for his the stuff prior to um his work in the WWE uh when he was like polly dangerously and with the dangerous alliance and everything and he, i think he would probably he may not be on the list if it wasn't for his um work with Brock Lesnar but he would be very close to being on the list but yeah. since he has been the advocate for uh uh Brock Lesnar really since Brock Lesnar's been in the WWE uh it just when he first came to the WWE it just made perfect sense that Paul Heyman would be his mouthpiece and, and Brock
1: Lesnar needs him
0: Brock Lesnar Brock Lesnar unlike some people can talk he just doesn't here's the thing if you had Paul Heyman with you to speak for you would you speak <laughs> no like when 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 with Heyman was uh, when he, when 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 Lesnar came into the WWE, yeah, he really did need him. But it's not like he had Heyman when he was in the UFC and he did just fine.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that the dynamic of their relationship is perfect because you got like the swarmy little guy that can't beat up anybody and then standing behind him, Paul Heyman can say whatever he wants because Brock Lesnar's right behind him. Yeah. And I think that's genuinely uh, irritating. Like, cause Brock Lesnar, I think, uh, he gets under people's skin because it seems like he is kind of a jerk and a bully, but what are you going to do about it?
0: Yeah, exactly. You, uh,
1: and I think that generally like it, it irritates people when somebody is a jerk like that, but you have to take it because they'll kill you.
0: It's all about power.
1: Cause I saw, uh, there was a video of, uh, a pregnant woman going up to Brock Lesnar and Sable. And he told her to get away from him because he didn't want to sign her autograph. And um, I was th- like, her husband was recording it and I was like, her husband should have went up. And I was like, wait, never mind. Yep. Yeah. What? You, Cause what are you going to do? He'll, he'll have his way with you. He won't even buy you dinner. Yeah. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's Brock Lesnar.
0: Scary man. Scary man. Ah, uh, so as far as our gimmicks list goes, JT, uh, what's what's on your Mount Rushmore of gimmicks?
1: Uh, yeah, I was trying to think of that at first. Like, what actually constitutes like a, a full blown gimmick? Because that's what I was going for with this list, like a full blown gimmick. I, like,
0: I There's, I'll just say this. There's one on that I wanted to put on that was a gimmick for a wrestler for a brief stint. Since I'm not mentioning it, uh, since I'm not covering it, I'll mention it. I loved – I was a total mark for St- William Regal's Real Man's Man gimmick. I love <laughs> that so much, but and I loved that so much for that brief period of time that they used it that I considered putting it on my list, but I didn't. Yeah. But if you put something like that on your list, I would totally understand it. I do have something very short-lived on my list as well, but I think it's something that uh, is memorable. So, um, But I, I, this is a very flexible uh, yeah. category.
1: Yeah, I'm going for more like, uh, like I don't like. I was thinking, would Dusty Rhodes be a gimmick? No. Uh, not what I'm considering a gimmick. Uh, like Hacksaw, no. Like, um, I'm talking about just like the way I interpreted it was straight up gimmick. Like,
0: uh, Repo Man would be a gimmick.
1: Yeah. Uh, somebody that's not using a name of a regular person, you know, like Dusty Rhodes could be somebody's name or, um, of course like Hacksaw and then Jim Duggan. So um, I uh I think I'll I'll just go ahead and the the ultimate gimmick, uh one of the longest running, most popular gimmicks of all time would be The Undertaker.
0: Ding ding ding.
1: Um, I mean nobody's had longevity like him. Yep. Um and to be kind of a I mean, kind of silly gimmick.
0: Yeah
1: if you think about it. It
0: went from being something that is a remnant of the 80s WWF to being something that is iconic.
1: Yeah. And uh one of the very few ones to be able to translate to that um and I I loved early Undertaker.
0: Oh me too. I thought it was great. <laughs> he,
1: he was a he was a zombie. <laughs> I mean uh, just the way he moved. Uh he was scary, like legitimately scary.
0: And you remember what his name was when he debuted?
1: Uh Kane the Undertaker.
0: Kane the Undertaker.
1: Yeah, he was uh I remember how shocked I was when he grabbed that chair from Jake Roberts.
0: Yeah, they and they have since excised that from the history of the WWE. Uh, now, if you go back on the network and watch his debut, they do not call him Kane. Oh, they don't? They do not. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, they got, well, I guess that wouldn't make sense to have him as.
0: They, well, I mean, there's, there's. why, why would it matter? They, kayfabe is dead, but.
1: Well, that's true. I wonder if they still mention Katie Vick.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's still there. <laughs>
1: but uh yeah i I mean nobody has a gimmick, nobody's worked a gimmick longer than him it's i mean he is you can see how it's evolved and changed over the years uh just by holding pictures up the way he's worked it differently i mean it went from a a zombie guy to a just a uh evil demonic guy to a biker back to a zombie guy like to a MMA like it's just, it's just, uh, you can definitely see the evolution of the undertaker. Uh, the second man on my list would be the ultimate warrior. Um, probably, uh, I mean, in his, if his short amount of time, actually in the spotlight, I think he made the most of it. Very popular. Um, just, uh, the tassels, the face paint, um, the lack of wrestling skill. Amen. He, he's like he's he's a gimmick all the way and uh he was a main event gimmick which uh, a lot of times gimmicks don't make it in the main event um main event spots are more usually reserved for guys like rick flair or hogan or austin and the rock which they may have gimmicks per se but they're not gimmick wrestlers you know they got like their gimmicks are more just of like extensions of their personalities exactly um the ultimate warrior was I think honestly his insaneness was an extension of his personality, but it still came off as a gimmick um, so if you uh paint your face, you're definitely gonna probably be a gimmick. that's what I would think uh now, the third one on my list is uh andre the giant
0: what what would andre's gimmick be that he was that he was a giant he was
1: yeah. Well, yeah, it just happened to be his gimmick. Uh, that's I. That's where I was thinking. Like, I was wondering if Andre would be considered a gimmick, and since it was just like he didn't use his last name, I think that's what I considered him as. Maybe I'm wrong. Now that I think. No, about
0: no, it. no, I mean, no. I, I think that's interesting. I could totally. I, I, I wouldn't have thought of him that way, but I mean, his gimmick was that he was unbeatable, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and he was like a he was like a legitimate giant, you know, which he was a legitimate giant.
0: So typically a gimmick, a lot of times, it's something that they have to add to a person, but he didn't need to have anything added to him because he was just naturally. Like, yeah. it's, it's not like they had to embellish him, Uh like when they would just embellish like Hogan or somebody else by adding like four inches. I mean, he was legitimately, honest to God, a giant. Yeah.
1: And he uh like he definitely would work the gimmick matches like they weren't going to be the most technically sound matches. Uh, he was an attraction. Definitely. Um, almost like the old uh, freak show days in the uh, circus. Um, Cause they would have like the world's tallest man or the world's largest, largest fighter. And uh, so I would, I, I, I think I would consider him a gimmick.
0: I like that. That's not, I wouldn't have expected that. I like that.
1: But uh, Andre was just—he's—he was almost like a mythical figure in wrestling, and uh, unfortunately, a lot we didn't get to see a lot of his younger stuff. His uh, younger stuff—he was an amazing athlete.
0: Yeah, he was—he was considered athletic. Uh, he could do things like drop kicks and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just—I uh, went back and watched a lot of old Andre Giant matches uh, when he in the seventies. Just phenomenal! Some of the stuff he was doing. And, uh, I mean, it's really sad to see where he ended up, uh, because you could just see the pain on his face, um, especially his last run. Like, I watched his very last match on YouTube, and he couldn't even, he had to use the ropes to stand.
0: That's and awful. He needed
1: to help, help carry it out, but, uh, and he had a rough life, uh, just not be able to sit in a regular chair. And everybody was always coming up to him because he, he couldn't take his gimmick off, you know, like the Ultimate Warrior, The Undertaker. Um, he was all the time, he was Andre the Giant. He couldn't, he didn't have, he didn't ever have a time where he could be like Terry Bollea, you know, just a regular guy sitting around. And, um, a tragic, a tragic story, but, uh, he left a mark on this business. And, uh, I think he definitely deserves to be on that list of uh, all time gimmicks. Uh probably a few other lists too. But um fourth guy I'm gonna put on there is uh Sting. I think Sting uh was uh Mr. WCW. Um Mr. NWA towards the end there. One of the most po- uh popular wrestlers they probably ever produced. And um he was like the ultimate warrior, but a better worker.
0: Uh yeah, and they were tag team partners, of course, when they were yeah. Yeah.
1: rock and uh, they were the Blade Runners, Rock, and uh, I can't remember. Uh, the Dingo, the
0: the, the the, the, wasn't he the Dingo Warrior at that point, or was that before or after? No,
1: uh, that was after they split up because they split up in uh mid south or, yeah, I think they split up in mid south, um, Rock and Ruckus or something, and uh, yeah, he uh, I mean Sting was a pretty good worker. Um, I don't think, I think one of his uh he was involved in one of the greatest angles with one of the worst payoffs ever, uh, when he was doing the crow sting.
0: You mean when and Nick, they, you mean when Nick Patrick did a slow, <laughs> a slow fast count at, uh, 97. Yeah.
1: yeah. That sucked because man, they built that up for a year.
0: And then Bret Hart it, came out and said, I'm not going <laughs> to allow this to stand.
1: Like what? It was just a regular count. <laughs> it made Bret Hart look like a jerk. Uh, yeah. Cause, uh, the build up to that was perfect. I mean, that was, uh, they they worked that for a year, just Sting hanging out in the rafters. And it was showing up such every once a, in a while. Such a waste. Yeah, unfortunately. Everything would have been perfect if they could have pulled that off, that finish. But that uh yeah, that was awful. So I remember watching that live, I'm like, Oh, he just beat Sting. Huh. Then Bret Hart came down, he's like, That was a fast count. I'm like, not really.
0: I remember being, <laughs> I remember laughing at that. It was so stupid so stupid. <laughs> yeah. But uh
1: yeah, Sting Sting was up there. Uh I never like Sting was never one of my favorite ones to watch. Um, but I realized that he was pretty important to wrestling. Uh he was uh Ric Flair's nemesis and he made a great Ric Flair nemesis. They were uh good together as being the young brash uh Californian kid against the, the older, more experienced Southern man. So that's my list for uh, gimmicks.
0: So, uh, spoiler, uh, Sting is on my list, but not for gimmicks. Okay, my list for gimmicks. Uh, Number one, The (laughs) the Million Dollar Man. Oh, that's a good one. God, I think it's probably the greatest, well, maybe not the greatest, maybe, maybe, maybe the greatest wrestling gimmick of all time. It was just so good, and Ted DiBiase did such a great job with that. It was basically, if Vince could have been a professional wrestler at that point, that would have been his gimmick. And there is a phenomenal episode of Something to Wrestle With, with Bruce with Bruce Pritchard, about the Million Dollar Man that everybody should go back and listen to. Uh, yeah, I need to listen to that. Apparently, I didn't realize this, but uh, Vince would get – basically, uh, he had a budget that uh, if, well, if he needed to expense out, like, you know, uh, buying everybody a drink at a bar, he would just – he would have the cash on him, then he would go expense it out. He got to ride around legit in limousines all the time because – He had to live the lifestyle. It's so, so phenomenal. Uh, I bet
1: everybody would have wanted that gimmick.
0: I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Number two, I think you'll disagree with me on this one, uh, but uh, it is what it is. Gold Dust. I I think Gold Dust was such an important and milestone gimmick at the time when it first debuted, when he was this androgynous um, character that pushed boundaries that... um, it's one of those things I I'm assuming I maybe maybe not given the time. I was gonna say I'm assuming that it, it may have had some uh uh Russo um <clears throat> uh input, but maybe not ninety five, ninety six, ninety six or so when it came when it came out. It probably didn't. That's probably a Vince McMahon um creation. But um, yeah, Gold Dust was just I think hugely important. It uh again it 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 helped sh- Shift wrestling from where it was to where it would go, not that I think that where it went was that great, but it helped it helped propel the business to new heights and uh, i th- I think that they i think it also helped um, define Dustin Runnels as a guy who just wasn't you know the natural and it showed that he was a, a real talent that uh, that could do way more than was originally asked of him
1: yeah I could see that um i mean i I was never a really big Goldust fan but I guess if you're thinking just about gimmicks, he would probably be pretty close. He was um, so
0: he was so good at it. So yeah. good.
1: Uh, th- I preferred him a six. Uh,
0: six. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that what it was when he was in WCW? Or is this uh, uh, TNA?
1: That was WCW. Oh, God. That, <laughs> that was it Dark City thing? Yeah, whatever yeah, it was.
0: I, I mentioned before that I wanted to put uh, the real man's man gimmick in here. So that gives you an idea of the kind of gimmicks that I'm also thinking of. So <laughs> my favorite gimmick, and this is one of those things where they, they took a guy, they repackaged him for a specific purpose, for a specific time. But it made my day every time they put him on TV. And that was our friend. I don't know. him, mean, maybe you do. Uh, Dwayne Gill. Gilberg.
1: <laughs> Gilberg.
0: I loved Gilberg so much. It was so hilarious. Of course, he was a he was a uh, imitation of Goldberg, and uh, he would do the Goldberg thing where Goldberg would come out to the pyro. Uh, He would come (laughs) out to uh, what Roman candle sparklers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, and he would go out and basically Dwayne Gill is just a jobber. And uh, he not unlike uh, now where we have um, uh, what's his name? James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth. Yeah, That's James goodness. James Ellsworth. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Goldberg, much like that, uh, they put him out. Of course, he still did jobs, but it was awesome.
1: His uh, his was who's first? Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty clever.
0: It was clever. That was when the WWE was really trying to uh, stick it to WCW. <laughs> and of course, uh, greatest gimmick of all time, The Undertaker. I'm not oh, gonna go. not saying any more than that. He is just yeah. the greatest gimmick ever. Uh, so is it Mount Rushmore? This is our last list. This is the wrestlers that we just don't like, or just don't get. It's our Mount Rush less. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, Mount so much less. Wh- who's on your list?
1: Okay. Well, uh, I think there's going to be one on here. That's going to might shock you a little bit. Uh, first one is X-Pac. Okay. Uh, could not stand him. Uh, just, I wanted to turn the channel off every time he was on. I didn't like him. Um, he, I, I didn't even want to have his figures. Like uh, when I would buy all the wrestling figures, I wouldn't buy his figures. I never liked him. Um, I don't know what it was.
0: So is it just? So it's is it just X Pac or is it the One Two Three Kid or is it all of the above?
1: Uh, I didn't really mind him too much as the One Two Three Kid, but once he got into that, once he went past the One Two Three Kid, I didn't like him. Um so that'd probably be when he went to WCW and became six and then he came back to WWF as X Pac or seven or something, I forget. He, he was X Pac. Uh yeah, but ever since then I didn't I didn't like his hair. I didn't like his tights. Uh couldn't stand it when he was teaming with Kane. I hated that. Uh I couldn't stand X Factor. Um I loved it when uh Edge told him hey nineteen ninety eight called and they want your back <laughs> <laughs> that was great uh yeah i just i never liked dex pocket uh funny enough i uh I respect him now a lot
0: i like um, I like him yeah.
1: he's been very public about like his uh drug use and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really liked hearing his story about how he overcame that. So I now I respect him and I actually like him now. I don't know what it was like uh, when I was a when I was younger. I just I couldn't stand him. Um, I could watch him now and not have the disdain for him. I think maybe it's because I know his personality and all the stuff he went through. And uh, I really respect the way he rose above it all. Because um, he was doing he was talking about how he was doing meth. And, uh, it just, it, like, it didn't seem like, uh, that, that's not a recreational drug. That's like, a you ain't going nowhere drug. And, uh, he overcame that. And that's, that's a hard one to overcome. So, uh, I definitely respect him now, but back then I could not stand him.
0: I get it. I, I kind of, I liked him. I like him a lot better now. I think he's a. I, I I've never heard, listened to his podcast, but he's one of my favorite guests on the Steve Austin podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's where I started. Uh, I think I started really gaining a lot of respect for him. Um, of course I didn't like Steve Austin at the, when I was younger. Yeah. Either.
0: I remember, I remember you saying that
1: I couldn't stand him. Uh, I just couldn't figure out why people were cheering for him cause he was a jerk. But, uh, um, it's weird as I get older, I start, res- uh, I don't know if my, uh, I think I look at things differently. Like I, I, I like the new age outlaws now. I didn't used to, I didn't like a whole lot of that, like uh DX stuff. Like, uh, I was always like, I was on Bret Hart's side hundred percent, um, during all those, all those battles. Uh, but as I get older, I start to, uh, I think I start to appreciate how talented Austin was. And like, uh, and even, even X-Pac and the new age outlaws, how, I mean, they were very talented. They made it way farther than, they probably would have five years before that. Uh, they wouldn't even have gotten a shot and, uh, they rose up and become more than what they were originally probably supposed to be. Um, the next one on my list is the big show. Uh, I never really, I like the giants in WCW, but, uh, I, the big show is just, I think more now than ever, it's just like, ah, why even, why is he even on there? Uh, after turning heel fate and heel and face five hundred times. Uh he just I he's been body slammed a hundred times by a hundred different people. Um he's just not I it's just he's not anything to me anymore. I think they've completely ruined him. Um I remember there was one time I turned on Raw and he was in a uh, baby outfit sucking on a pacifier. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you have one of the legitimately biggest wrestlers in the history of the business. And you're doing this to him. (laughs) Like it's just, and he's turned heel and face so much that it just doesn't matter anymore. And, um, so I just don't even care to watch him. Uh, it's been like that for a while too.
0: I mean, he argues that, you know, I mean, one, obviously they don't necessarily have a program for him, but they use him to build other people. So, yeah, they, they they slot him into that so that um so that when they need to either elevate somebody or teach somebody, they put the big show in and the big show is capable of of rising to the occasion to do whatever they need him to do.
1: Yeah, but I don't think he has any impact anymore because he has been beaten by everybody.
0: Oh, I absolutely you know? agree with that.
1: Yeah. Like uh I remember one time Eddie Guerrero DDT'd him and it's like, what? Uh uh, Bray, uh, not Bray Wyatt, but, um, who's the guy with the funny eyes? Luke Harper. Luke Harper. Just, uh, he body slammed him, had no trouble.
0: Luke Harper is a giant.
1: Yeah. But I still think he should have at least acted like he had trouble. Like, cause anybody could bo- probably body slam the big show. I couldn't. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you could body slam me,
0: dude. I could not body slam you.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You could. I I know how to do it. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I would just, uh, you would body slam me if we got into a, a ring. Now I would let you body slam
0: me. Yeah, of course. I mean, I like, am a pretty strong dude. I mean, I'm good at yeah. like, one thing, which is basically lifting heavy stuff, but I still don't think I could body slam you.
1: But, um, I mean, I've been body slammed by 127 pound women, not in a show or anything.
0: Okay. I could body slam you then.
1: Yeah. Like not in a show. I would never do that at a, in a show in front of an audience, which actually, you know what? Just said uh, that I admitted to it in front of people listening. <laughs> but it <laughs> strike, that from, <laughs> strike that from the uh uh don't don't remember that people that I said that. But um yeah, I mean uh it's all it's all about appearance. And um his appearance just I don't think it leaves an impact anymore. And uh, it hasn't for a very, very long time. I argue that his debut when he lost to uh Steve Austin just completely ruined him. Uh um, I think that, I think that just took all the steam right out of them and they had a chance for a big uh a big show. A really big show. Big show. And uh then my next one on my list, uh, he might be on your list too. Uh Sid.
0: Uh no. I, oh, Sid didn't make your list. I get I get Sid. He just he he just I get him. I just don't think that he's as popular or as important as people think.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's just, uh, he should have all the tools. Um, he's a big guy, scary looking, powerful, but really, especially after watching, uh, some of the shows we've been watching with him on it, I realized how much I was like, I just don't care about him. Um, he doesn't do anything for me. I, I, I just, yeah, he's just something about him where he's just not, uh, I don't know. He's he's not where he should be. Uh I remember when he first when I first saw him, I was in all of them, but that quickly wore off. And I don't know what it is about him. Um cuz I should like him, but uh but I don't. Now the uh final one on my list is The Heartbreak Kid Sean Michaels.
0: I expected
1: that. <laughs> That's why I saved him for last. I do not like Sean Michaels. I don't know. I just can't get myself to like them now or ever. I don't know if it's because my, uh, my best friend in high school liked them so much. Um, and it, it's his, uh, all the stories I've heard about them. Um, cause I mean, I've heard, uh, actual personal stories about them too. Oh yeah. From, uh, people that I know. And, um, I, probably won't bring those up they might not want, want them out there but uh but i know about like all the stuff like what he did to shane douglas uh and all those guys in that era and uh it seems like they're pretty legitimate stories and um watching the in-ring product i could uh, something was going on there i think he held down a lot of people he held down vader um i uh one of the like i was just starting to like, respect him again until he did that stuff with hogan and then i was like you know what i'm not even gonna i don't care anymore about trying to like him uh and when the match in SummerSlam where he was trying to oversell him and uh that is
0: awesome that is an odd i love that match
1: well he was Shawn michaels was doing it to make hogan look like a jerk
0: because hogan probably was a jerk if i remember the story correct
1: well see the thing is like um do you remember the promo that Shawn michaels came out the night the next night and cut where he was uh he was just downing hogan about being like he's called like hogan an old man and all this stuff and refused the jobs and all like he was basically shooting on hogan and uh so hogan was just like you know what we're done because uh the way hogan tells it which i of course i don't know how legitimate it is but uh it seems like something that Shawn michaels would do knowing some of the stuff i know about him that he uh hogan wanted to do three matches with sean and hogan was going to win the first one sean was going to win the second one and then they were going to bring it back for like a cage or something and uh sean wanted to win the first one and uh Vince McMahon told Shawn he could win the first one then he told hogan he could win the first one um and then they kind of I think that, and then Sean, when it's, it just seemed like it was very unprofessional for Sean to go out there and do that the way he did it, like the overselling. Uh, I think it probably wasn't as bad for the fans, but being a wrestler and doing that, uh, it's kind of an insult, you know, like it, like it's not an insult necessarily that a fan would necessarily catch on, uh, right off the bat if you don't know like some of the inner workings and stuff. But, um, and like that time uh, with Vader, when he was yelling at Vader in the match, when he, when Vader didn't move, uh, do you remember that? Yeah, I, you know? I
0: do. And that was crappy. That was, I mean, yeah. but those are two different circumstances.
1: It's just, it's very, I, I just, it's like, uh, you just don't do that in wrestling, uh, not in front of the fans. And I think I take offense to that. Like if you got a problem with a guy, either don't go out there and wrestle him or you go out there and have a great match or uh, do your best. Cause that's what the crowd deserves. Then go to the back and fight, you know, but don't do, I, I don't think you should ever do anything out in front of the crowd like that. Um, like I'm not into the guys teaching guys lessons out in the ring. You know what I mean?
0: I, yeah, unless they deserve it.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I think the only, I think the only times they deserve it out in front of the crowd is if they're, you're in immediate danger. Um, cause I've had to, I've had to rough some guys up before, but it's because, they I I didn't trust them and I thought it was gonna uh it could have turned bad at any second um but to go like and giving a guy a, a pop or something you know here and there is all right but um I don't know I just think I think the backstage stuff just needs to stay backstage uh like the shoot when guys shoot on each other uh like that are legitimate shoots of course that hardly ever happens in WWF yeah
0: that's
1: more of an independent thing and it happens quite a bit on the independent circuit, actually. Does it really? Yeah, guys are uh, – I've seen a bunch of different guys shoot on people, especially in the microphone, just tell them, be like, you suck. You don't deserve to be in the business. Uh, actually, I had a guy do it to me one time. and Did you um, rough him up? I had just had hernia surgery, <laughs> and I went out there, and I told him. I was like, look, I was like, these these people – because uh, he was uh, upset with my booking decisions because I was helping like, book the company at the time and he was horrible in the ring. One of the worst wrestlers I'd ever had to deal with. And he also didn't believe like he, I think he believed everything. Uh, He thought he was an actual like real tough guy. And uh, so he was supposed to go out and do something. They he started like shooting on telling the crowd how I thought I was God and I was a horrible booker. And uh, so I went out and I told him, I was like, you're lucky. I just had hernia surgeries. I was like, I just want you to understand that I have open wounds with stitches in right now Or I would get in that ring and I would kill you. (laughs) And, uh, I was like,
0: was this this in front of the crowd?
1: Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I told him, I was like, you're nothing but a piece of crap. And you're lucky that I just had surgery. Cause my mom and wife were just like, no, don't, don't. Cause I, I, cause he said, he was like, well, come on in. And I almost did. And I was thinking to myself, if uh, if I go in there and my he, like, punches me in the stomach, I'll probably go down. Then he might beat me up, and I don't want to get
0: beat did up. They, did they know that you were seriously angry and about to – that you would, like, smash the guy? <laughs> uh,
1: I Some of the crowd figured it out. Other people thought it was just part of the show. But um, I was so mad. Now, I probably shouldn't have done it out in front of the crowd like that, but he started it. <laughs> so. Oh, man! I was mad. I had to leave um, If I wouldn't have just had surgery, I probably would have got arrested that night.
0: Is that what you're going to do to diecast in march
1: yeah, i think he's he's deserving something of that he's uh he's definitely he's on my list
0: <laughs> uh let's see here. oh gosh, we've been going at this for a while, so oh,
1: wow, uh, yeah, we got a long show out of this so one so
0: your that's your list uh my mount rush less list number one the stinger sting i don't get it never have never will i don't think he's a very good wrestler i don't get his gimmick i don't other than being the guy who stood and stayed in wcw all the way through the end i just don't get the appeal of Sting at all what am i missing Hmm.
1: well i could definitely understand why uh people would feel that way. Um I just think he was just he was just that uh, I think he was the, like the anticip, anticipith,
0: antithesis
1: antithesis
0: antithesis
1: antithesis <laughs> antithesis of the uh of the 90s wrestler, you know, like the colorful uh blonde-haired guy from California those real. Wait, you mean the embodiment? you monstrous. like the em-
0: do you mean the embodiment?
1: Yes, embodiment too, that too.
0: He's not the anti he's the thesis, not the antithesis.
1: Oh okay. Oh, yeah, hey, you're probably right there. Anti is probably not good. But yeah, he uh I think he just symbolizes that nineties, nineties wrestler. Like the colorful like save by the bell font. That's awesome. <laughs> Which I think you use that font on your uh Facebook uh,
0: probably. for that one picture I of you. Think, Yeah, I think
1: I do. It makes it reminds me of Sting for some reason.
0: Uh next person on my list, uh my folks I don't get, that is Goldberg. Oh, come on. Goldberg,
1: <laughs> Goldberg's I, awesome.
0: I just here's the thing: like if if I thought he were a good wrestler, I probably would understand the Goldberg thing more. But I just cannot get past the fact that he is just not a great wrestler. And <laughs> but back then, back then, uh, when you had to compare him against people like Steve Austin and The Rock and uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, Triple H, guys like that who could put on good matches. He just was not a satisfactory alternative. Uh, and the fact also that he ended Bret Hart's career didn't help. So um, I, I guess I get Goldberg somewhat, but not. I just I don't like him. I'm, I never will.
1: Well, Goldberg needs to be in, a, I think, definitely needs to be in short bites. He needs to be little, protected. Little, little, little tiny bites of Goldberg go a long way. Um, he was, I, I really enjoyed him in the Rumble. Uh, this previous weekend, uh, I thought it. I liked how he threw uh, Lesnar out as fast as he did.
0: Yeah, uh, uh,
1: I was excited too when he came in.
0: Speaking of the Rumble, uh, third person on my list is Randy Orton. Oh yeah, I get he's got a great look. I get that he's good in the ring, but none of those things come together to make a compelling package for me. Like, I get the upsides for Randy Orton when you look at them individually, but nothing has ever come together and materialized as him being a solid idea to me. Um, it's just like he can never be one of the all-time greats if he would ever even be considered for that because he just doesn't have the thing that ties it all together.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, and he should. I mean, he's a big, tall, good-looking guy. Great body, uh, good in the ring. He, he is good in the ring. Like he has, he pulls out some really good matches. Very athletic, but yeah, he just doesn't have it. Like it all does doesn't come together the way it should. Like
0: with John Cena, it all comes together. Randy Orton just don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can uh, definitely agree with you on that. Uh, and the and I was very surprised uh, he won the Royal Rumble.
0: Yeah, me too. I guess it was because he got the crap beat out of him by uh, Lesnar. Was that, yeah, was that a bone? That I guess they threw. And uh, the fourth is kind of a cop out because it's multiple people. But generally speaking, the NWO, it's I, I, I I guess I thought it was cool to begin with, but it became so absurd and it became such an excuse to prop up old, tired, beat up wrestlers that didn't have a lot of talent and they just buried everything.
1: Yeah, I think the the NWO uh, started off as a really cool idea. And really exciting because uh, I remember when Scott Hall first made his appearance in that match against Mike Enos on Nitro. Uh, it was uh, just when he came down and, and just interrupted the match. Like that was that was big. Like that was we'd never seen that before. And um, I think it started off really exciting. And then when Hogan turned heel, phew, that was a shock. It was just. But- it was right before. Uh, the, I got access to the internet and, uh, I remember just being completely shocked by that. But then after that, it did kind of just kind of go downhill
0: pretty yeah, quick. Too. It, it did. But that's, that's my list. My Mount Rush Uh, hey, <laughs> if you, if you listen to this all the way through, thank you very much. And why don't you take a second to, uh, go to our Amazon link at tfradio.net slash Amazon. And, uh, you probably need a drink now. So just maybe order some, uh, something to drink maybe some food, and uh, just do your shopping on Amazon. Amazon sends us back a little bit of change to help us cover the cost of the show, and it's expensive, so we would appreciate that. Also, please subscribe on iTunes. Look for Take 4 Wrestling. If you have an iOS device, just go to the podcast app. Just search for Take 4 Wrestling and add it right there. It's really easy. And, of course, subscribe to us on Twitter at Take 4. It's the number 4, Take 4 Wrestling. And uh, follow us on Facebook uh, at uh, TFRadio. I mean, pardon me, at Facebook.com slash TFRadio. You can find Take Four Wrestling and all the other podcasts that we do there. I'm personally on Twitter at BKilby, on Instagram at Brian Kilby. And, uh, you know, you can find me all over the place. I do lots of podcasts. JT, how do people get a hold of you?
1: You can get a hold of me at TFRadio.net slash H-O-G-G. That'll take you to my uh, Facebook fan page, and then you can get a hold of me on Twitter at JT underscore H-O-G-G. Give me a tweet or a tweet.
0: Tweet. Awesome. Um, let's see here. Also, next week on the show, we're going to talk about Shytown Rumble 89, which has one of the uh, 89, uh, I guess, the Trinity of shows uh, or the trilogy, I think in terms of Trinity. Of uh, between Ric Flair and uh, Ricky Steamboat. Absolute fantastic uh, match to watch. Uh, One of my favorite periods in wrestling and I think we will both enjoy it. Gosh, this was a long show, JT.
1: Yeah, we we talked a lot.
0: I don't think we've ever talked this much on one show before. So, uh, I need a drink. Let's go ahead and get out of here. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening and JT, thank you for being here. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye! Bye!